following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener, Straight Outta Compton, Cool and Luke, Little Rascals, Jurassic Park, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, Solo, A Star Wars Story, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Rebels, The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, Batteries Not Included, The Transporter, The Matrix, and... Blade Runner. Hello, governor. It's a Star Wars podcast, isn't it? Well, oh, hello, mate. Welcome to the Star Wars podcast with robots versus dinosaurs. Oh, it's robots versus dinosaurs, is it? Hello and welcome to Robots versus Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie or a Disney Plus limited series and then try to determine which one is cooler, robots, dinosaurs, or snow speeders. I'm your host, Louis G, and with me as always is my co-host. Whenever I'm uh, reviewing a Disney Plus limited Star Wars steer- series following our favorite former Jedi, Jason Carubia. Welcome, Jason. Hey, thank you. Thank you. So glad to be here. Jason, uh, why don't you tell the listeners what we're reviewing today on Robots vs. Dinosaurs? Of course, we're reviewing again uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, now into episode four already. Has it already been? You know, four episodes is crazy. Seems yeah, like they're flying by. Because those first two aired on the same day, so that was a, you know, that was they're they're kind of like fast forwarding through, or just dumping it all on us at once. The thing is, they have a lot of competition right now with like Stranger Things. Just uh, you know, came out. Well, I guess that just finished up this part of the season. Um, but like this was coming out around the same time as that. Miss Marvel just dropped today, so yeah, there's a lot of limited series that are are being released around this time um and we're going to get more of course as the summer goes on uh and i thought myself i was watching the episode this morning i got up had my coffee and was watching it it's like ah, i don't need to take any notes i'll just wing it it'll be great and then uh i went back and i said you know i have some extra time let me go back and rewatch it and of course yeah i'm so glad i did because the more i got into this episode the more of the nuances and the details and the intrigue uh, came out, uh, and of course, I had to write it all down. Mm. This was my favorite episode so far. Um, there's so much that I liked about it. Uh, all right, why don't we get into it? Uh, this episode, once again, directed by Deborah Chow and Joby Harold. Uh, Jason, do you just like side note? Do you watch most of the Marvel Disney Plus shows? Of course, yeah, I've watched every one. Um, the, Moon Knight is an exception because Moon Knight, almost I think every episode was directed by the same person. Mm. But with a lot of those shows, it feels like um, like some episodes are directed by certain directors and then they switch off. Do you do you feel like that affects the storytelling with these miniseries? Do you feel like it's better when it's just one director throughout the whole thing or when they or do you like it when they switch them up? I don't think so. I don't think it's necessarily better. I do like when they switch it up. Um and I, the reflect the the really proof of that is the Mandalorian and uh, the Book of Boba Fett series. Um, the episodes that where Rodriguez, for example, directs are very very different mm-hmm. and distinct. You know the the episode where Bryce Dallas, How- Dallas Howard directed was very very distinct. 
you know, versus the Dave Filoni episodes. And Dave Filoni, of course, you know, has his specifics that he really, really likes to enjoy and explore uh, with the characters of Ashoka, for example. You know, of course he had to direct that. And you can tell in the style when, when he directed that episode, it was very, very, very much characteristic of the influences that he had with uh, Asian cinema. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it was just, just all over. It was like a, uh, it was like a tribute, uh, uh, an homage to it in that episode, for example, um, with the introduction of Ashoka. So this, uh, this series is, is different. You know, it's completely Deborah Chow, uh, and you get her vision of star Wars. And I'd say it's a very, now that we have four episodes in, we can really kind of see, what her directorial style is and her vision of it. Yeah. And it's, it's a very safe approach to star Wars, but it, it gives us, you know, um, what we are asking for, you know, it's, 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 it's rewarding, safe, but rewarding. Mm. And, and I, and I can see that in the character development, the, uh, the parallelisms and, uh, and, uh, the action and the plot of the episode. So this one is, I mean, if you think about Star Wars, what is Star Wars? It's rescuing the princess and that's this episode. Uh, and actually it's been two episodes uh, of that. And this is kind of old hat now. Yeah, uh, we talked about, uh, in the last episode, we kind of talked about how each of the, um, the like part one, part two, part three, have mirrored what we've seen in, in the movies in episode one, two, three so far. And we kind of predicted like this one was going to feel like uh, episode four, episode like rescuing four. the princess, infiltrating the Empire's facility, uh, battling stormtroopers in a hallway, <laughs> which yep. and they only come at you two at a time very conveniently on oh, the um, communication using the exact same communicators that they did in episode four as mm-hmm. well. You know, it's, pretending uh, to be em- the Empire and right. like, infiltrating. It, exactly. It's, yep. it's this is very much paying homage to episode four and. Um, it does it well, you know, very it, well. It, it seems like old hat. It seems like um, just fan service, uh, uh, clever trickery, but it's, it's, it does it very well. You know, it yeah. has actual function to it. Um, I, I think though, the funny, the funny thing is this is the second time that Leia has been kind of kidnapped, kidnapped and held hostage. Mm-hmm. And then in episode four, it's a third time. Yeah. Like this is such a common thing for this princess to happen to her. Like, I wonder if there's another time in the span of, of the 10 years from a new hope where she gets like a kidnapped again. And either you know, she seems or someone else we, has to like save her. When we catch up with her in episode four, she seems used to it. She's not too worried. Like she's totally you relaxing. Get the, you get the, the feeling of Han, and Luke didn't show up. She would have. She would have devised an escape plan somehow. And she anyway. knew it was going to be like a stormtrooper in disguise. She's like, "Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper?" You know, it's the <laughs> same exact type of mentality. Um, well, let's get into this episode of Obi Wan. Uh, this, so yeah, it was directed again by Deborah Chow. I think that is personally. I think it's a smart decision as far as Star Wars goes. You're right about like Mandalorian and Boba Fett. That some episodes you could tell were directed a little differently, and and you know that that did benefit but um but i do feel like the, the lesson they learned from you know episodes seven eight and nine is you want to you want to try to keep it consistent sometimes right and yeah, especially the book of boba fett which it turns into the mandalorian yeah um, more than yeah. two-thirds away through and now we're watching basically 
the succession events from Mandalorian. So um, I, this I, is yeah. this is different, and we we have to treat it sort of differently. Yeah, I like what Deborah Chow is doing. I think she's a good, very good uh, helmsman to have to be in like steering this ship. And um, so this episode, we get Indira Verma again. I am loving her on this show. Uh, I have like a lot of my notes are just I like Tala. I love Tala. Tala is <laughs> um, great. And I'd like and then, to, I'd love to dive deeper into Tal, but can we just start at the very, very beginning? Well, hang on, hang on. Uh, also, just the stars um, in Dear Verma. We also have okay. Maya Erskine. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Pen15. I have. She, so she was one of the speeder pilots, and man, I haven't seen, I've only seen her do comedy, which she does really well. I was this surprised. Was my first time seeing her do I'm like, wait, anything. wait, is that her? She looks so familiar. And then I looked it up and like, yeah, wait, what? And she gets a really like dramatic moment, and it, she they gets really. A moment give it a lot of dignity and respect and it was that caught me off guard we're gonna get Mm -hmm. into that later um and finally o'shea jackson jr uh he was one of like the rebel the early rebels um in that scene where they they see their their base are you you talking about roken or wade uh what's his name let me see um the other the other snow speeder is wade and no not the snow speeder uh, I don't see his name here on IMDb, but he was the guy in the base. The skinnier guy? No, the guy with the beard, and he like tells Obi Wan he has a wife, and he kno- so he knows what the Empire's capable of. That's Roken. Roken yeah. is his name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. really like this guy too. I think this is uh, Ice Cube's son. <laughs> Actually, he was in Straight Outta Compton. And he was in, um, oh, okay, so Roken is Ice Cube's son, really? Yeah, he is because he played Ice Cube in Straight Outta Compton. That's great. He is Ice Cube's son. Uh, again, like really good, very dramatic performance. Oh, perfect, um, man. And yeah, shout out to Wade. Uh, but we'll get into Wade. A we'll little get bit. there. Uh, we'll so get yeah, there. you were gonna say about the, the the beginning of the episode. The beginning of the episode is changed, um, and you know we've all, always there's changes in that the flash of droids and Darth Vader's face and and faces and stormtrooper masks that we see helmets that we see in the intro. Um, for this episode, we see Lola at the end, the droid mm-hmm. Lola. Um, and that's going to be a foreshadowing possibly to later on in the episode. No, 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 uh, and I went back and of course I'm like, wait, did I just see Lolo? And I went back and watched the other episodes uh, to see if I was, you know, if I had missed something in the previous episode, but I hadn't, it was absolutely Lola now for now appearing in the series um, in the intro sequences before the star, after the star Wars theme come, uh, uh, image comes on uh, before it says Obi-Wan Kenobi um, on top oh, of that. That's cool in detail. I, yeah, on top of that, actually, I went back to the beginning of the series to do that, and I didn't realize because I've been watching the, the subsequent episodes. I haven't really gone back to the beginning, but as we had talked previously about um, how the events could be triggers for people, they did put a trigger warning on the Obi Wan Kenobi series, and I did some research on it. It looks like shortly after uh, the mass shootings in in Tennessee in Tulsa, they did in fact uh, um, add on the the splash page a message uh from disney plus um saying although this this fictional series is a continuation of the story from star wars movies filmed many years ago some scenes may be upsetting to viewers in light of recent tragic events warning Mm. contains violence involving children uh later on that day i think was this is the 26th of may i'm not sure the exact day but later on they actually just removed it and put it on the first intro to the first episode and now it says there are certain scenes in the fictional series that some viewers may find upsetting mm-hmm. uh, and that and that's all they have left now for the entirety of the series i think from from here until eternity just to, just to show that you know just to give kind of impl- implication that there's there's graphic violence here 
Um, and, and again, this, this episode, uh, it, it references it, you know, it goes there at times. Um, and it has not as extreme as previous episodes as, you know, but, but it definitely references the events of the Star Wars universe. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about where we left off with the, the last episode, how you had done some, some quick research because we were confused about uh, what was going on with the series of events. Um, you know, we went back and we tried to see if Obi-Wan had moved his hand at all in that scene when they're in the transport to mm-hmm. see he had done the Jedi mind trick. And we saw none. Yeah. A- absolutely none. So we have to make the assumption that there's no Jedi mind trick was involved in this. And this is, in fact, just poor plot development of how they snuck by these these stormtroopers here and that, or just that, that stormtroopers are as stupid as you say which is absolutely just, dumb oh, it's, yeah. they are dumb they are shown to be just you know her her dumb soldiers but they're not like i don't know this is a different level of incompetence anyway let's not talk about the last episode let's let's go with this episode all right so go uh, how does go, this episode start this episode starts with um ben uh, on the transport being brought back to the planet, uh, the the planet they were having just destination to was it J- Jabin? What was it? What J- was the planet? Jabin. Jabin, and uh, uh, he's kind of semi-conscious. He's he's burnt. He's beat up. He's exhausted, and they place him in a back to tank. Uh, and then we have right. these we scenes juxtaposed. Yeah. Another parallel of back to tank with of of Obi Wan now in a back to tank and Darth Vader in a back to tank, and they're having. Uh, Obi-Wan is having uh, kind of flashes of memory of the events that had just happened where he was you know, fighting Darth Vader. And we can hear uh, the words that Darth Vader had spoken um, about about uh, uh, about how, you know, he he's he, he blames him and whatnot. Um, so uh, we, we see this, you know, kind of two of them in the back to tank to, uh, in this parallel form healing from the last battle, recover, recovering strength, strength. And then suddenly Obi-Wan regains his consciousness and he pops up and comes out of the back to, back the tank. And the first, of course, words out of his mouth um, talking uh, is, where's Leia? You know, he wants to know where Leia is. Uh, yes. Um, so the question that I have, and this is, we've seen the back the tank many times now in Star Wars, okay? Um, it's pretty jarring to be placed in the back to tank and, and regain consciousness and suddenly, you, I mean, it, you have to expect that every single person placed in the back to tank is going to do what Obi-Wan's doing right now. Isn't there any type of mechanism or procedure in place to kind of safeguard this or help them? Maybe like a sign, you're in a back to tank, it's okay, settle down, relax. Or is it like, uh, it, it, like is there something that can they, they can do to help them? Because the first words out of her mouth uh, is 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 get back in there you're not quite healed yet you're burned it's like uh, yeah i feel like the back to tank is like if you're they, very very traumatically injured and you need like emergency triage can they can, like um, put a cap on the back to take like a little a jar lid on top and maybe restrain him down a little bit because he's got the the breathing apparatus on you know like he's not he can breathe you know yeah. and he's unconscious but like why they just give him free will to pop on out it's like hey what's up where's leia and then and, and tala's like no get back in there <laughs> yeah i mean i get the impression that it's it's almost a last resort like i would yeah. rather wake i'd rather be shocked awake in a back to tank than you know, be left behind to burn, to melt the rest of the way in lava. So if I could be saved, 
Uh, yeah, I, I guess I would prefer if there's at least a sign, but um, but I'll, t- I'll take this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I get this is uh, so. This is where we meet. Uh, what uh, I just said his name, Jackson Jr. Um, uh, yeah, we, we O'Shea get, Jackson we, Jr. We we learn that immediately that that she was taken. You know, Leia's been taken, and she's over with right. with the Inquisitors. And yeah, Rita has cut, and right, and we get a cut to then um, the this pyramid atop a sea uh, mm-hmm. where Riva, uh, uh, fifth sister, is interrogating Leia. Third and sister. Third, third sister. sister. I'm sorry. Third sister. Interrogating I, I went back. I kept I kept saying fifth sister in the last episode, too. I kept making that mistake. Yeah, it's fifth brother, third sister. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and uh, so the the best line that she has, because she's trying to interrogate Leia to find out where these, you know, these these Jedi are or these people that are helping the Jedi. She are. She says um, the the Empire doesn't take kindly to Jedi sympathizers, which is this kind of old uh you know kind of warden uh you know cool hand luke type type language you know uh, the inquisitors don't take kindly to jedi sympathizers you know that type of thing you know it's 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 one of those cool lines that that you give a bad guy a villain you know um saying that you know, these are you're we're gonna hurt you unless you tell us what you want to what we want to know mm-hmm. and it's also very good in this scene to see a normal sized table Versus that tiny little chair that we saw when she was held captain before. She's held at this big, hard, large table with with some kid-sized handcuffs, um, and uh, and we can see now that she's they're in this uh, this hall of uh, this kind of war room um, inside that temple, that kind of For, fortress inquisitorious. Yes, yes, as we learn later on. Uh, which is underneath the Nur Moon, um, which is in the Mustafar system. Right. Uh, and, so they're like neighbors with um, Vader. Right. And which brings us to the next scene back again over to the Jabin um, uh, moon, I guess planet or moon. I'm not sure what it is, but but it, back to Jabin, uh, where was no time for character introductions at all here. We just are introduced quickly to uh, the conversation that they're having of ca- casually. We get some information um, that Roken is this leader of the salvagers who are helping the path. And he actually, interesting enough, calls Obi-Wan the general because uh, mm-hmm. he acknowledges his role, I guess, in the Clone uh, Wars earlier. So he knows Obi-Wan's path. Um, but he explains this very, very heartwelt story um, about how his wife was Force-sensitive and the Inquisitors eventually found out and and took her away. And uh, and the, we don't know if she was killed or what happened to her, but, but she or was taken Trapped away. in resin. Yes, she was trapped in Jurassic Park resin. <laughs> we don't know, um, but but we get this very touching story, which which actually puts him over the edge to have him decide to help Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, and this is the first time I wrote down. I like Tala because uh, they're kind of like, yeah, we you know we can't risk everything to go and whatever to go whatever like to help you, General. Um, and he's like, you know, she's Leia's being held. She's ten years old. We can't just leave her alone. And they like so Tala is just yeah. like I'll go with you because yeah. he's he's gonna. That's the thing about Obi Wan. He's like I'll fine. I'll go by myself. I'm just asking for help. Like it's right. not like I need your help. So he's gonna go no matter what. And then like they cut to Tala, and she's just awesome. I just like she's such a good hero. Yeah. So this um, is the this is the episode that kind of takes characters over the edge 
it toward mm-hmm. rebelling against the empire. And the first one to do it is Tala. I mean, she was yeah. helping, you know, these, these rebels, uh, help, uh, help, um, you know, Jedi escape, you know, it, uh, the, the inquisitors, but the, she makes a conscious choice here to kind of blow her cover and blow up her spot in the empire as, as being a ranking official, um, in order to save the princess. And yeah, it, and, sets, it really sets up that great character moment for her later at the end of the episode. Right. And then it inspires the other three to do the same, um, you know, with, of course, unfortunate grave consequences. And then, of course, culminating to the end. Um, But we we learn here in the conversation that Nur is a water moon in the Mm -hmm. Mustafa system. And this is the system where Vader is. So he has his temple right there in in Mustafa system. So they all are aware that, you know, wherever they're going, Vader's going to be close by and he's probably going to find them. So we have to get her out of there as soon as possible, uh, quickly and as covertly as possible. Um, Wade has that brilliant line. Uh, So that's it. Fortress Inquisitorious. (laughs) (laughs) I love this set piece. Uh, Yeah, it's a silly name, but... I, it's cool to say, and like it works. It's very Star Wars. Yeah, um, it's got a unique look. I love the fact that Obi Wan just swims into it. Like we uh. see, Tala is like using her 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 rank and her uh, clearance to get inside. She's a C level officer. Uh, she has C level clearance, and but then we get just cut to Obi Wan swimming. Right. Like, it's just, uh, it's so good. It's a good parallel to episode, was it one or two, where he's swimming underneath uh, in the ground with the Naboo Rebreeder. and they're Naboo, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, episode one. Going to visit yeah. the Gungans. Um, we don't learn about Sully. We don't learn about her character much, but we just know that she, you know. Who's is, Sully? Is, uh, uh, from from um, uh, Pen15. Oh, the other pilot, yeah. The other pilot. We don't yeah, learn about her Erskine. backstory, yeah. But we 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 learn that she eventually decides to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best question that they have is, well, how deep does it go? <laughs> that is the best <laughs> question that they have they about do, the Fortress um, Inquisitoris. Later, they do they do kind of talk about like the I think uh, you said their names Sully and Tokar. Sully, Roken, Roken, and, yeah. Sully and, and Roken are. Like they they have a, and Wade they have a salvage business and they're using it to launder goods and fly Jedi right. out. So like yeah, like the, later on they're the, you know they say we're not soldiers, um, exactly. and that parallels again Tala later on being like you're soldiers now, right? Uh, I guess you're soldiers now. And, like they're the, they're they're start. This is them going over the edge into into. Uh, a press uh, uh, battling the empire. It's cool because like these speeders are exactly what we're going to see in episode five. And when you think about it, the uniforms they're wearing are whatever this like salvage company uniforms are. So this is yep. like literally the the genesis of the rebellion and like how their uniforms came about. I don't know why I didn't really like that kind of stuff in Solo. To be honest with you. But I like it here. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I can't describe the difference, but I really it, like it here. It seems more organic here because yeah. there's kind of a little bit more people involved in, in Solo and in um, uh, Rogue One. Even and I haven't really watched much of Rebels, but I'm assuming that there's a lot that's already been established of the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. It's been previously just like this kind of organized underground railroad type path. Um, and this is the first time they're organizing um, – a, a fleet, you know, mm-hmm. and these two snow speeders, T-47s, as they're called, as as the Star World world knows them, initially designed to haul sewage. 
Mm. You know, they're going to retrofit them to be uh, able to fight. You know, they put cannons on them in the front and um, they're modifying them for battle. And mm-hmm. if you look at if you look at, I guess, the expanded universe, there's there's stories. There's, you know, there's talk about how these manufacturers, the T4 said it and decide they're going to just, you know, just do this as in supply them to the rebels. Um, but the, the first thing out of my mind when I'm thinking about it, the T-47, which eventually is used in the Battle of Hoth, the Snowspeeder. Mm-hmm. Um, with the tow cables, because they're, the, you know, does, that's their primary design before they were warships. Right. The first yeah. thing out of my mind is, my God, these things most smell like shit. <laughs> oh, my God. They're, they're designed for hauling sewage. Mm-hmm. And they must stink. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe they have a, um, uh, what's it called, a D- Dianoga on them that uh, cleans up the trash. Do, have um, to, do the pilots have to like hold their breath or something while they're doing it? <laughs> but we're, we're going to get to more of so, the T-47 spares because one of my big yeah. three questions involves with the, the T-47 snow Okay. okay? <laughs> uh, well, we cut to uh, the interrogation room in the Inquis- Fortress Inquisitorius, and Reva is interrogating Leia. She's trying a lot of different tactics with her. Leia's being very um, precocious and very dodgy and very princess like it's exactly what you expect from the young version of this character um and she resist she goes as far as to resist like reva's force mind pull and it's it that's pretty impressive and reva's very impressed um and this is when she picks up her droid or no the i'm sorry the droid lola goes for a sneak attack but it rolls a one and uh, or I guess Reva rolls a very high perception roll <laughs> and just yeah. catches it. And this is where she's like, I, I had a droid before they took it from me, like everything else. Yeah, absolutely. We, we get to see that that Reva has this backstory of uh, of being something that they took something away for. And now we can maybe we're, we're absolutely assuming now, but it's probably true that it was the Jedi who took yep. the attachments away from her, including her droid and her family that, yep. that creates this resentment. Um, but actually we skipped a whole bunch involving similar stories. Of the previous scenes before this, um, there's a scene where this kind of bridge scene that they have when they're talking about the snow spear. And now Obi-Wan is in the transport you know, on his way, uh, not the transport, yeah, the transport, this is uh, Tala's transport on the way to the planet um, where he's practicing the force. He's trying to regain some of his force powers mm-hmm. um, and, and move, um, um, I guess, a, a small, I'm not sure if it's a communicator. It looks like it's the communicator or some other type of metal object. Um, and then and then he, he explains to her that it'll come back. She says it'll come back soon. And then she, somehow they have this conversation where that he has to let go of the past. And then um, Obi-Wan says some things can't be forgotten. And then he said, then she says, you care about Leia, then you're going to have to try. And this implies that 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 theme that is the mantra of Jedi, which is so bittersweet for them to become full Jedi masters and Jedi knights that they have to relinquish the attachments that they have Mm. um, with those that they care about. Um, This is something that, that we see with Luke. We see in the Mandalorian when they talk about it, you know, um, Obi-Wan has talked about uh, and uh, Anakin talked about in episodes one, two, and three. Yoda talks about it a lot, um, which is one of the things that the Anakin resented, um, which drove him to the dark side in episode three. Um, you know, the fact yeah, that he they, couldn't relinquish those deta- attachments. Yeah. Um, but the solidarity of the Jedi 
uh, is a theme that we're going to see later on in this episode as well. Um, but we we see this this tiny little bridge scene. They kind of introduce that, you know, that he's going to have to let go of Leia. You know, mm-hmm. don't get too close because you're going to have to let her go eventually. Yeah, and he's uh, spoilers for the Clone Wars series, but he's gone through this before um, with the Duchess Satine, uh, who he absolutely definitely was in love with. Um, and there's like a little story arc where, you know, he's kind of uh, being dodgy about that. And he de- nothing ever happens between them, but he definitely clearly has feelings for her. And Darth, Darth Maul ends up killing her uh, in front of him because he chooses to like save other people instead of her. Right. Um, because he like, has to let go of that attachment. Mm-hmm. And it's way more complicated than that, but we don't have time to get into the whole yeah, well, Clone Wars arc. I mean, but, yeah. Just a, one example um, of many, how, how Obi-Wan's attachments end up you know, becoming, uh, how hurt the people that you love. Yeah. And this is another one of those moments, which makes, makes us, gives us so much backstory to why he's so hesitant to grow an attachment with Leia. Um, he's, he's, he's compelled to save her, um, but he has to keep her um, at arm's distance. And, and uh, moving on, we go up to the next scene um, where we see now this yeah. Inquisitor scene where Reva pulls a piece of the wood off from the the path and sh- throws it down on the table, slaps it down, and shows the, the, the rebel symbol or whatever, the Jedi symbol, you know, and, but I don't understand why she didn't just take a picture of it and just show her that. You're like, look, we found the symbol. <laughs> but she took the whole entire freaking piece off. One thing uh, Leia says when she's, like, resisting this, this interrogation is... Uh, um, that I really like is she's like, um, you know, finally she pretends like she's going to give up everything she knows. And she's like, yeah, OK, but we have to tell my father first. Uh, and she's like, but it's OK, right? Because we're all on the same side, like you said. And this really gets under people's skin. <laughs> yeah, in, there's there's, I guess, three different moments we get of these interrogation scenes. The one where the one where the introduction of that she tells her that Obi-Wan is dead. He is absolutely gone. Mm. You know, how, did he she, can't, how did he die? How did sure. he can't help you now? And she asked, "Well, how did he die? He burned, you know." And they let him burn, and they left, you know. And that that was trying to think. And the question that I have is that: Did Leia know that she was lying? Uh, is her abilities as uh, just being very brilliant uh, and being socially aware and and just ability to judge and read people to tell that immediately that she was lying about Obi Wan, or was it her? force sensitivity or clairvoyance but from that point on she's kind of putting on this show she doesn't give tears you know but they make references like let's make those tears real reva says to her later on um, yeah, when she's like, about what are you going to do to me the same thing i do to anyone who doesn't embrace the empire right that's the line she has but we have these moments where like they're fighting each other with their wits and uh, mm-hmm. and during these interrogation scenes, it's it's really cool to see. I mean, it's uh, the best line that I think is that when when Riva has her hand out at at Leia and is trying to read her mind, Re- Leia just like sizes her up and looks at her and she says, "Is this a staring contest?" Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. that. Was good. Oh my god. Yeah, and, Leia and Organa, you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> Applaud to Leia Argata. Yeah. Um, it is the question is, is she using her force will to prevent her from invading her mind and figure out what she's saying? Definitely. Um, it's it's just a brilliant, brilliant moment. Because if Reva is using the force to try to infiltrate her mind, there's no way Leia is like just resisting it. She's not right. a Tordarian after all. Immediately uh, Reva's response is you're strong. Mm-hmm. Then then she says this line, which just blew me back. And then I had to listen to it multiple times because it sounds 
so familiar. She says, the braver you seem, the more afraid you are. Mm -hmm. And then she says, I learned that at a very young age as well. Yeah, she watched Game of Thrones. Right. Um, Ned Stark or, says that, yeah. Or that sounds like <laughs> something Yoda would say. Yeah, definitely. Especially in the way that it's phrased. I, uh, you know, the more afraid you are, it's, it's the, that kind of backwards just like wordplay that Yoda would do. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the braver you seem, the more afraid you are. You know, yeah. it's just she just phrased it differently so it doesn't sound obvious that it was Yoda. Also, I just realized the droid, the loader droid, Ned B, Ned Stark, right? Star oh, Wars is officially go. in Game of Thrones. You heard it here first. Um, there's <laughs> I, a, I, I think that that line is kind of proof that she was a youngling and that's something that Yoda might have said to her. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've, yeah, I'm, I'm more and more convinced the more we learn about Third Sister that she is one of those five kids that we saw in the opening opening scene um, right. in, in Coruscant. So... Uh, the other interrogation scene you alluded to, or scenes, um, Tala infiltrating and her whole arc, which is awesome in this episode. So she, like, just confidently strolls onto the base, uh, just lands a ship, roll, like, walks past people, um, which you believe it because she, she's, I mean, she's, she's clearly used to wearing that uniform, strutting with confidence. And I love the way that she gets inside because she's like... <laughs> She just she knows that intimidation works on these on these mooks. Right. Uh, this is the empire. That is how you get ahead. Is exactly. intimidating and you taking throw your credit weight from other people, throwing your weight around. Uh, that works in this in this bureaucracy, and she uses it to her advantage so many times, and it's you, beautiful. You name drop. You you threaten. Like this mm -hmm. is this is what you do to get ahead. You pull rank. You uh, pull call rank. the guy out on not addressing you by your rank. That's immediately like. Um, right. Because you know what else they do? They threaten each other's jobs constantly. She's right. like, oh, maybe I should report to you to so-and-so for your insubordination. Later, that's exactly the tactic Riva uses on her, where she's like, oh, I was a ranking officer on Mapuzo. And Reva's like, yeah, I'm not impressed. That's grounds for immediate discharge because you, right. you failed on yeah. Mapuzo. You have, and all you need to do is just point out the fact that they're not following their, their prime yep. direction of orders, okay? And uh, the, to be honest, like, it's so impressive that with everything that Reva does, third sister, with everything that she does, the fact that she gets away with so much to Vader, you know, she mm -hmm. does not follow those orders. Um, but she, you know, has that kind of chest-like movement to her, which Vader kind of sees. Thing and is, yeah, Vader Vader had uh, Ahsoka Tano as his Padawan. He's mm -hmm. used to having a second command that like is a little bit um not by the book and and kind of surprises you with their plan every once in a while there's that conversation that they have i think it's the end of the first season of of clone wars where actually uh anakin sits her down and says you can't the whole entire theme of the episode was you can't blindly follow rules yep. sometimes you have to do what your instincts tell you or go against them for the greater good because you have knowledge that others can't see and mm -hmm. and it's it's something that you know that that is paralleled here in this episode with with vader and, and third sister mm -hmm. she uh so tala also when she gets past like the first checkpoint she just kind of like sits down at the station uh starts giving feeding obi-wan as much info as she can about the base and um then this dude walks in and he's like i need to see your clearance now and she's like, all right, let's go over here and talk. So she snaps his neck or whatever. <laughs> she performs some Jason Bourne type, you know, spy moves and just like beats the shit out of him. And it's, yep. it's, it's like she that that moment right there makes me question Tala 
as a person. You know, Why? I know she's part of the empire. She has training, but is there something more? Is she kind of this underhanded force? And and throughout the rest of the episode, from that very very brutal you know takedown of that trooper, mm-hmm. I'm wondering. Is she contacting Vader? Is she talking to him? No. Is, is she hand-in-hand hand part of this kind of upper echelon of Sith? And so she's a triple agent? I think so. I mean, I'm, 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 this is just me spitting. So she's a rebel But she seems a little too dangerous. joined the Empire and became a spy in the Empire. Well, she was, but she's, she's actually... You, now she's also... But now that's a cover for her to work against... I, I think she was Empire first. I think she was Empire first. Vader sought her out, put her on the on on the planet uh, to you know, to infiltrate the path and become ingrained with it. And then at the same time, she's playing everyone in the scenario to because throughout the episode, you know, she's asking Obi Wan, "Where are you? What's going on? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you?" If she was really you know, wanting to have the most success, she would get off that damn communicator and just let Obi-Wan do what he want, do what he could do to get her out. Well, no, he had to give Obi-Wan, she had to give Obi-Wan information to help him find Leia and, and he, get around the on, defenses and stuff. Later on, he knew that he, she had found him and she's still asking, where are you, where are you, where are you? It's, it's kind of yeah, like... Yeah, this is I, a wild theory, Jason. It's a wild <laughs> theory. It's a wild theory. She seems too cool and too badass to me. I think that she's actually a double, a triple agent. You know, she's kind of playing everyone at this moment. Um, and just because the brutality of that scene alone, uh, it was just too much for me to, you know, kind of empathize her. There must be something, All right. more, you if, know, like she must be maybe trained in that way. You know? I, I am completely on the other side when it comes to Tally, Tala. I think she is a hero. I think she has, uh, she proves herself. Actions speak louder than words, Jason. And she proves herself. She saves Obi-Wan, like shuts the door just the right. She waits for him. She, If she was really a bad guy, she wouldn't wait for him. Yes, she when would. The because is, the tunnel is flooding. Yes, like, she would, because that's collateral damage to the Sith. They don't freaking care. They would let those stormtroopers die do, okay, as long do, as it doesn't blow her cover. They're stupid do you really Do you really believe this? Or is, is, is this just like, a alternate, like an alt theory? This is an alt theory. This is, okay. this is really beast. I was gonna. I was. I was willing to like put money on it, like to to, <laughs> to test like how how attached the, are you to this theory? <laughs> it would be the greatest, you know, misdirection though. Like to have Tala come yeah, out. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, they would. That would be. That that'd be, be so they would pull cool. one over on me for sure because I am. Convinced. Oh my god! I'm in the pocket yeah. for Tala. Like she's she's jumping through hoops. She's given up rank to do things. But the th- mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, of course, she has nothing to worry about. And she could do these things if the Vader at up top would say it's okay. You know, she has. Yeah, you're, no, you're right. You're right. You know, she, she has nothing to, to lose if Vader yeah. has put her in the situation. And she, you know, that moment where she's with Reva and she's talking to Reva and she's lying to Reva. And Reva mm-hmm. says to her, I don't know if you're lying to me. No, wait, what'd she say? I'm saying, she says, I don't know if you're lying to me for your benefit or my benefit, but I can't tell. It's, it's a, uh, I think that's the line here that she has. When um, is this? When are you referring to? Uh, later on when she's, uh, this is the next scene where, where she's talking to Reva, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, I have this written down. She, um, she, so yeah, she, uh, Obi-Wan can, again, uses the communicator to, to get, tell her she needs a distract. He needs a distraction. Um, and so she's like, 
she gets she calls Riva to the bridge and she says that she was stationed on Mapuzo. She found out information about the path. Says they're on Florum out of the Surter sector. Right. And they're using a salvage business to launder goods and fly Jedi out. And she says, you know, we've got to we've got to focus all of our forces on this location, uh, Florum or whatever. And Reva's like, yeah, yeah. Unless, of course, you're lying. <laughs> right. And this is I got found her right here. She says, I do like a good liar. And she mm-hmm. says, I don't know if you're lying to me or for me, but we'll see. Mm. That is a good line. Yeah, I yeah, just, and I, Reva, yeah. for someone that can like read people in minds, she can't tell at what what words are true. Where Tala is admitting that she's a spy, which is if that's true or not, or whether what the the florum is true or not. Well, you the know, way she mean? handles it is so good. She's like, yeah. "You're a spy," and she's like, "Of course I am. Yeah, I've been in, I've been infiltrating the Jedi or the the end of the path all of this time. Of course, which could I'm be a spy. true. Which could yeah. be true. Yeah, which could, could be Vader I, I think you're telling wrong, but... the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think it's like it's cool the way that she plays Reva and um we, if we have to assume if Reva's the lie detector uh Tala is playing her in, in yes. some way or yeah, she's but, being completely honest here One but Reva was also like right in the middle of you know she was about to literally physically torture a child and that you know her mind is on that <laughs> so I I'm gonna I guess I'm going to give her a pass on getting duped by Tala. Also, because Tala is just smooth. Tala is a smooth operator. Right. A spy on the level of my other favorite art, uh, Star Wars spy, R2-D2. <laughs> That's um, right. Um, we get Reva, though. We're talking about her torturing, uh, torturing a child. You mm. know? She has these lines. She talks to Leia before she does that, before she brings her to the torture chamber. She says, you know, of course, we're all on the same side here. You know, just tell us the truth. And then she has that that awesome line, "Nice try, princess," which is such a cool, <laughs> you know, bad guy line. Yeah. But then she says this, of course, the the very much cliche, almost. I hope you like pain, kind of alluding to what's going to happen and threaten her. Um, but it doesn't put Riva beyond the point of actually putting her in the chair. And uh, these, mm-hmm. you know, very similar to the again paralleling episode four, where the uh, the torture probe droid comes in. Uh, and is going to torture, um, you know, Leia later on. You know, we have ways of making her talk, that type of thing. You know, and mm. and um, uh, we get this kind of juxtaposition of events. You know, Obi Wan is sneaking around trying to find Leia, while Riva and Tala are are there, and 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 uh, Obi Wan sees now this this hallway. Um, this very, very, very long hallway. And uh, he's not sure what he sees at first, but then he can see the faces of what appear to be Jedi lining the hallway, or at least Force-sensitive people. Yeah, this is the uh, Inquisitor's um, action figure collection. They've got the whole black, the life-size Black Series action figures. I'm very jealous of this collection. Right, but they've also done the the uh, Jurassic Park Hammond thing, and mm-hmm. just in case everything in amber, possibly to extract their DNA or midi chloron down the road. We don't yeah. know. We don't know what what the ultimate purpose of it. But again, this plays right into that death cult idea of the of the Inquisitors and the Sith, um, how they like to collect trophies, and mm-hmm. we can see men, women, and children encased in this kind of gold amber um, as a, a yeah, menagerie of of. Jedi horrors. Death. It's, it's creepy. It's, it's very creepy. creepy. Yeah. And and we have that moment, the last moment we see of the hallway is a youngling 
uh, with the same rounded hat that we saw in episodes one, two, and three mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning of the se- of Obi-Wan series, you know, looking with fear on his eyes. Um, and immediately Obi-Wan, he gets force sensitive and we hear, and he hears the cries of Leia. Um, I'm not sure if, if Leia's reaching out to him or he becomes force sensitive seeing the youngling, but they they connect and he can hear her cries and 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 uh, he she says help somebody help please um, and it's very 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 disturbing, um, mm-hmm. but uh, and at that point he calls on on uh, Tala to go ahead and make some type of distraction and, and engage the inquisitors and we get this cool very very well shot um, wide wide shot of. Leia in the darkness in the middle of this room and just this blue lightsaber comes on. He takes down one stormtrooper, shuts the light off again, pops up behind him. Like the, the way they use the darkness and like the way that it's it, the fact that it's like he's doing this really sneaky thing, but it's this blue lightsaber coming up and, you know, he's just popping up behind them. It's very, very creepy. Like he's the serial killer. Uh, yeah. But he's also the hero, and it's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, the set kind of looks like that red set from the end of uh, that middle point in Empire Strikes Back where the Han is being thrown into carbonite. Yeah. Uh, he's being encased in carbonite. Um, um, very but industrial. You, you, very industrial. Um, the glow from the floor coming up. Mm. But you, you, you can't make out any shapes or figures. It's just this kind of lone solidarity of Leia on this chair uh, with some stormtroopers around her. Then, of course, the, the sudden, you know, surprise of a blue lightsaber, you know, just taking them out. Um, and, and the... Um, the interesting point that uh, he makes earlier about the entire um, complex is that what the conclusion that he makes is that it isn't a fortress or a base that it is a tomb Mm -hmm. so it is very much religious in order like this is this is one of their holy points yeah. Um, this this spire coming out of the sea, you know, kind of like this this burial place of of Jedi, big, of force sensitive people. Big spoiler for Rebels. This is actually. Let me ask you first, Jason. This is a huge spoiler for for Rebels. Um, is this something that is that something that you want me to keep off air? No, go for it. This is this is all is spoiled here on this podcast. So there's a Jedi from the prequels, Luminara Andala. Um, and she was captured, and at some point, actually, it might be in, no, it, it's in Rebels. Um, you know what, I don't know, it might be in Bad Batch, or it might have been in the new, into the new season of Clone Wars. In one of the animated Star Wars shows, uh, Luminar and Dalek was captured, and she's, there. they had her, they tortured her and kept her essence trapped in this, like, sarcophagus, basically, so that her, um spirit more or less would call out to the force and attract other Jedi to come and try to rescue her. And they literally use that as bait. And that was the first thing I thought of when we saw these Jedi in, in this tomb, like they're, you know, preserving them in some way to make them eternally, um, trapped in desperation and maybe not dead. Maybe it's something like carbonite and, you know, they're, they're able to, they're not able to move, but they're able to reach out with the force and the whole point is to try to draw other Jedi to this point, uh, to try to get them to come so they can trap them and, and add them to, to their collection. 
kind of like the sirens on the island of, of mm. Jason and Argonauts, you know, the, mm-hmm. to calling, you know, these Jedi to their death. Um, yep. they, also, I mean, it's also, we have to also consider that these are possible inquisitors down the road. Yeah, yeah. That that's a good this That's is a good theory. Part of Vader's process of breaking them. Yep. You know, putting them in this this stasis of mobi- mobility. They can see everything, but they can't do anything. And um, eventually it, it breaks them down to the point where they succumb uh, to the order of of the Sith. It, mm-hmm. it's, in either scenario, it's torture and yeah. it's, it's evil. And, and uh, Obi-Wan can see the brutality of what's going on here. Um, but he uh, rescues Leia. Then we get this very awesome classic, uh, like Star Wars battle in a hallway with a Jedi deflecting blaster bolts and, and stuff. At one point, we get the classic. Uh, he's got to open the door, and he looks at the door control, and they're firing at him. So he deflects a blaster bolt into it, and sure enough, it does the exact desired effect. Yeah, um, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Then, I mean, but uh, when, the, they, when, uh, when glass Leia meets- gets blasted too, and it's going to shatter. Yeah, when when Leia meets Obi Wan first, they, she says, "They told me you were dead," and then and Obi Wan says, "I know." Like, how how did she? How did he know? Because that does that was information, you know that that he had. It must have been something with the force sensitivity that they had between the two. Maybe but, they were just going for the you know, "I love you," I know. Uh, maybe maybe <laughs> they told me you were dead. I know. Um, but they, yeah, but it's... we get that cool you know moment in their hallway and they're battling with a lightsaber and all the Obi Wan lightsaber battles are so natural mm-hmm. versus the heavily choreographed lightsaber sequences that we see in episode one, two, and three. Like these are what seem like actual, you know, sword play. Um, yeah. They, they seem like improvised, you know, defensive moves and you, you McGregor is doing some great stuff here. Um, you know, they, he, he's older, you know, he's not doing backflips. He's not like Darth Maul, you know, doing acrobatics or anything like that. He's, you know, deflecting these blasters. He's protecting Leia. He's doing a great job of making this seem like they're really up against the fence here as these blasters are coming from both sides. And um, it, as it's, the thought I had in my mind was, is this is Obi-Wan getting his groove back? You know, he's mm-hmm. really coming into becoming a Jedi again. He's, yeah. he's, he's, uh, he's, he's becoming the knight that he was destined to be. Um, and then he has that moment where he uses the force to prevent the vin- window from cracking. Uh, so Leia and Tala can, can escape, um, mm. you know, kind of holds it at bay. Um, and then I'm not sure if you notice, but, you know, once they do escape the room, all the windows crash, you know, not yeah. just the one crint windows. Yeah, because so, the structural integrity has been compromised at that point. So the pressure of all the seawater. I'm not just, sure because it would possibly just be that one window. I think what it is is he uses the force to crash all the windows. It could be because, yeah, he does do something with his hand. Like he's holding it back. He's holding it back. And then as soon as the door breaches, he does something with his hand to like break the first window, it looks like. So they get drowned in water before rather than just letting go yeah. of the window that he's holding on to. So you might you might be right that he uh, that he breaks the rest of the windows on his I way think, out. I think he purposely breaks those windows and crashes the the ocean the you know ocean planet ocean moon onto them mm. and then just narrowly makes it escape 
uh, through those blast doors and you can yeah. see the water, you know, kind of seep through the blast doors as he does. Yeah. It's a cool, it's a very cool sequence. Uh, yeah. very cool that's, escape. I, that's, um, the, that's the second really interesting force moment here in, in this episode. The other one actually is when he's hiding with, uh, Leia, you know, they're kind of ducking around quarters and he does this, op- this kind of forced thaumaturgy and creates a minor illusion and throws a sound down a hallway and makes a boom, mm-hmm. causing the two stormtroopers to follow that so they can escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure, I've, I've never seen that force move before. Is that yes, something, yeah. have I? Episode four. Uh, when um, Luke is getting attacked by the sand people, he does that, like he throws his voice like a uh, some sort of he said he describes like some sort of beast, um, but he he like oh. does this like throwing his voice trick like that. I thought he just called that out in general, like makes a sound. I didn't know it was a force move. Yeah, it, it's it's implied uh, that that's what it is. I mean, it's either that or it's like echoing against the cave or both. But yeah, that's yeah I thought he was just waving his arm, going. Like, <laughs> it's like no, he like, like throws his voice and it sounds like a beast um, oh. roaring. And it's like it's like you said, it, it's like a thaumaturgy kind of thing. Yeah, it's like a minor um, wonder he does. You know, it's kind of like one of those misdirection moments, like throwing a stone across the room or something yeah. like that <laughs> to cause a misdirection so people don't know that they're there. Yeah, uh, he so he and, and and Tala and Leia they they get to the hangar. Um, this is silly. This is ridiculous. He like puts on this coat and he's just covering Leia next to his head. Okay. And okay. she's walking next to him. Okay. This I, and is, also this is, this is Jay, you know what? Yeah. This is one of my big three questions too. You know what? This is um, my number one too. My, my big three. Yes. Go okay, on. Okay. So, all right. So we, we're going to circle back to this because the, the next thing that happens that I want to talk about is, uh, like Reva comes running out. They're they're about to get a, get away, I guess. Um, Reva comes out and she's like, "Traitor!" Yes. Uh, and she comes with her lightsaber out and she's like, "You know, you betrayed everything that you are." And Tala's like, "This is this was never who I am." And she's like, "Then you die for nothing." And they're just surrounded by all these stormtroopers. And then brap 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 brap, the T forty six speeders show up and just very precisely take the for non soldiers. Uh, these two pilots take these these uh, small targets out very carefully and precisely and avoid the three heroes uh, very very well. Yeah, it's it's very much echoing uh, in episode seven. Uh, where, you know, that, that stormtrooper calls out, traitor! You know, but she mm. says, a, a traitor, a child and an old man, was it worth it? And, uh, and it's betraying everything you are, like you said. But that ambiguity, again, just that little bit of ambiguity that Tala says, where she says, this was never who I was. Is she, what is she talking about? Is she talking about the Empire, or is she yes. talking about this small minor rebellion? Because no. she's saying, this was <laughs> never who I was. Mm-hmm. Is she talking about saving Obi-Wan or saving no. I, I, it could be either i'm just saying Did yeah it, yes you're you're right that it could be there's about a one percent chance that it could be and about a 99 percent chance she's not pointing she's to her uniform and saying this was never who i was she's, you're she, you're right you, she wasn't she didn't write down um she didn't make a sign you're right there's a lot of things she she could have been a lot clearer in that moment right uh, um <laughs> the, the, the saddest point of the no, this is not the the saddest point, but I would say one of the most traumatic points, in my opinion, of this episode happens next. We see a small little mouse droid 
scurry oh, along yeah, the floor. And, and and for some reason, they shoot the mouse droid. Why yeah. you got to shoot the mouse droid? I mean, they are the eyes and ears of an establishment. So it kind of makes sense. They don't want to see. But but like there's just out of the blue, they shoot a mouse droid. And you hear the yeah. sound of the mouse droid cry in pain. It's like, oh. I felt bad for that mouse droid, too. I'm glad you brought uh, that up. That was, that yeah, was a sad that, moment. That's a sad robot dinosaur moment right there. But we get to see snow speeders. We haven't yeah. seen these practical and like ships in the these series make one of my favorite star wars sound effects ever it's a very distinct <laughs> sound effect you know exactly what i'm talking about um it's freaking awesome and yeah these pilots are really good and then they uh they they pull up um obi-wan and and uh uh, Tala are extremely good shots because they're surrounded when this starts and they shoot their way out and this one speeder lands and they're able to get right. inside in the back where uh, Dak or whoever, um, you know, the wingman would have been uh, for the pilot was sitting. Right. And then this other dude, Wade, pulls up and he like buys them time by shooting at Reva. She's, you know, blocking all of his shots. Um, immediately I knew something was going to happen to this dude. I thought she was just going to like block, like, uh, reflect a blaster bolt back into his cockpit or something, but she does an even cooler thing. And, uh, soon Kang is like, kill, destroy them. And she she picks up this battery or explosive device or whatever, and just hurls it at the back of the speeder. Yeah, we don't know if it's the armaments of the TIE fighters, which are hanging from the establishment. Oh, yeah, it could be that, yeah. Um, or bomb. Or, yeah, bombs or something, or uh, or what? But she uh, she lifts it with the force and moves it and throws it at the speeder, and you hear that kind of charge sound that kind of looks like it's a like a camera turning on or a bomb turning on, and it just explodes on impact on the speeder, and the speeder comes crashing into the sea there. Yeah. It's, it's, very, it's awesome. It's moment. just, it's so cool. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, I'm really geeking out over this episode. It was very, it's, it's like, a pretty cool moment. This yeah. is, this is the episode that like when you're sitting and playing with your action figures as a, as a 10 year old, like these are the kind of things you do and you're like, brat, 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 and then, oh, and then she throws <laughs> this at it and like, boom, it explodes and crashes. Uh, and they're just uh, doing it all in live action <laughs> and they're and doing, <laughs> in my opinion, an awesome job, a fantastic job on it. And then um, and, uh, immediately we learned, uh, you know, Vader, you know, Br- Vader's there now. He, dude, he's not nearby. He's nearby. You hear, in the, system. You hear the breathing like before they cut to him and it's just Reva standing there with her lightsaber out like crap. I let them get away and you hear the breathing and you're like, oh, oh, no. Oh, and Vader she's immediately she's done. <laughs> yeah, immediately brings her to a chokehold, a force choke, lifts her maybe six, seven feet off uh, the ground. You know, you were warned what defeat would bring. Uh, I will tolerate it, your weakness no longer. It was just a perfect Vader line, and uh, and she says in, in her choking, I, "I let them go." Mm. And you can see, of course, Vader now realize that she's playing like 3D chess. If you're a Star Trek fan, you know, 4D she, chess, 4D Dejeric. Yeah, Is that what it's called uh, degeneric multi-level chess. Uh, but she's she's playing chess on a and and she's planning this. This is all orchestrated, uh, and and she's placed as she explained the tracker uh, on them. Wherever wherever they go, we will follow. I will follow. I think the word she's. I can't remember yeah. exactly. Um, it seems and, I have underestimated you. Yeah. And uh, so is, this is a question, is, is Riva's plan all along was the Geroid and this was all kind of misdirection? He, to some degree. The, um, 
I do think the droid, as soon as she was holding it and saying, I used to have a droid, I started thinking, like, oh, she's probably doing something with it, like, reprogramming it, or she's going to keep it to try to pull recording information off of it or something. Or was um, it so like a plan she, B, like an ace in the hole? Like I think it was B. a plan B. As soon as she said, I have a, I, a tracker, I put a tracker <laughs> on the plant, um, on the on the, on the the ship, I immediately thought, like, oh, the only opportunity she would have had to do that is if she put it on Lola and gave it back to her. So, yeah, maybe she is, like, ten, two steps ahead of everyone. This also makes me think that her motives are not just in Grand Quizzer. Like, it's not just yes. to lure Obi-Wan out to impress upon Vader. It's to disassemble the entire Jedi structure of what's left out there. Yeah, I think she's bitter against the Jedi and the Empire at the same time. Right. And I think this, I mean, the fact that she's playing that this level that could actually come in contention against Vader in spot of, you know, uh, Sith Lord Supreme. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think Reva is, you know, the only explanation i can conceive why she would even torture leia why she would do all these is not to lure out obi-wan but to in fact get this overall you know overall uh um, purpose yeah and uh they get back to the the other the surviving speeder gets back to the salvage ship and i just i love the way that they lingered on this moment and just gave these these actors this moment um because Ice Cube Jr. comes out and he's all smiling like, yeah, you're back. We did it. You rescued her. And just he just sees the look on the other pilot's face, Sully, and like his face changes and she just sits down and like then Tala just comes over with a big bottle and she's like, here you go. You need this. Yeah. Uh, And then they just kind of wordlessly show Leia sitting next to Obi-Wan and she just like puts her hand on his her her outfit is also perfect. Like they just kind of pan up from the wrist upward, and it's like just a perfect little like Princess Leia outfit. Um, and this moment between them is beautiful, and and I don't know, just the performances are so good. Um, yeah, yeah. It's so this it's is Tala comes my in. Favorite episode of this episode. Tala this comes in, and she has that line that you mentioned before: "Guess your soldiers now." After all. Ugh. Uh, and it's just so heartbreaking that they finally experiences the loss of war. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is this is kind of a, a loss of innocence. You know, things were just we were just helping. You know, before now you're actually in it, and uh, and 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 Tala has that that line, and then you have that moment where where uh, Obi Wan and Leia are holding hands again, echoing what she had said before: how she's he's going to have to let Leia go. In that bittersweet moment of seeing them hold hands and having that attachment, you know, as a Jedi, you can't sustain that. You can't be mm-hmm. her father. You can't be there for her. Uh, no attachments at all. Um, and it kind of puts a bookend to that kind of storyline. And and, uh, and 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 of course, the big reveal at the end is that you see Lola, you know, by her side, but instead of a blue eye, it's a red eye, <gasps> implying Evil that Lola. Lola has been. Uh, hacked or manipulated to be yeah. the tracker that is going to be with them, helping them, you know, helping uh, Riva, uh, third sister, find them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that brings us to Jason. Are you ready to do lose big three? I think your big three might be very similar to my th- big three. So, yeah. Do you want to do this ahead. like one for one or do you want to do yours first? Or I think your number one is my number one. Let's just go on. Yeah, go ahead. You do yours first. All right, so Ryan, give us the theme. Lose Big Three, it's you and me. We're going to have fun with Lose Big Three. Thank you, Ryan. 
great as always. Lose big three number one, uh, Jason. This is a little theory that I came up with. Hear me out. Is Tala a quadruple agent? And she's actually working for Dexter Jetster, who's like an information <laughs> broker for the galaxy. Um, and so she's playing she's playing five sides all against each other. <laughs> you just what do you, made think? That. you just made that up. <laughs> it's my number one burning question from the number episode. one burning question. I you know, it's possible. You know, she she could be in league with uh, Dexter Jester. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, just you know, she wants to have her spot at the diner, and and uh, and she's just gathering all the information for that underhand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, th- okay, awesome. I'm glad you entertained that that fan theory of mine. Um, I've been <laughs> piecing that together for weeks. Uh, all right, lose big three number two. What exactly? are the grooming standards for officers in the empire because <laughs> in 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 our military you cannot have a full beard you can't even have stubble uh, uh obi-wan has a full ass beard a whole entire beard um you've seen rogue one they they pull this trick in rogue one but cassian andor has like profound stubble like four days stubble that you would not get away with like this is a this is a high and tight very like sharp uniform inspection kind of heavy uh empire they are gonna be checking whether you shaved every morning but obi-wan is able to walk out like he's got a giant tumor in his hip uh that he's covering (laughs) with with a jacket and no one looks at him twice for that and if they did look at him twice they would see his full beard sorry Uh, (laughs) let me get off my soapbox for a second jason what are the grooming standards for the empire okay uh number one you are absolutely right they there's there is high grooming standards we every there's not one beard in the entire empire no there's not it's not even the emperor (laughs) even the emperor is clean shaven okay there's no dirty hippies in the empire okay there's no counterculture okay it's all order okay regimented order and we see this time and time and again from the men and the women of all species uh it, it's it's yeah there's it, it's a clear obvious if you see a guy with a beard he's probably not empire yeah and, d- and then direct I, uniform I, violation and also I, what's going on with your right leg what's what's happening under that coat this is my big three number one okay (laughs) that this kind of little rascals moment where they have (laughs) two little rascals stacked on top of each other pretending (laughs) like they're trying to sneak into an r-rated movie theater (laughs) like what the hell and especially because we have that entire scene (laughs) with the stupid (laughs) with the stupid ass guard you know he's just sitting there He's trying, he tried to prevent Talon from getting in. He's like, oh my god, it's secure. You know, we can't let anyone in here. What are your motives? And of course, Wait, are you sure out. that was Tala? I'm pretty sure that was two Jawas in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Where was the stupid Asgard then? You know, seeing this, <sighs> this obviously tumor-ridden, bearded guy walk through. Like I this, can't. This moment <laughs> is such a poor disguise. It's, it's, uh, it, what, what, what stormtrooper Imperial officer has a large cloak too? Like, why? Why is there a big, huge kind of of, uh, you know, detective private eye kind of, you know, jacket, you know, that yeah. they're wearing, this overcoat. Like, this, it, also, the isn't speeder. the base on, isn't the base on high alert? The base is on yes. high alert. You know, so as the speeder pilots saved, uh, you know what, that by killing all these stormtroopers, they saved them from an execution because they all just let in this old man, they, they prime targets, 
that are escaping the prison, escaping prisoners. As soon as that probe droid, as soon as that probe droid turned around and saw Obi Wan, the whole entire base went on high alert. You know, there's no way they would have been able to escape, get past anyone through that even checkpoint out that door to that point that they did. It doesn't make any sense at all. Unless it's some insane force uh, usage where they're trying to do some Jedi mind tricks on tons and tons and tons and tons of soldiers. It just doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't, but it leads me to lose big three. Number three, Jason, do you think Jedi use uh, lightsabers to shave? (laughs) I think they just... um, Jedi, when when they want to shave, I think mm-hmm. they just use the force to like kind of you know uh, to prevent them their facial hair from growing. Ah, okay. But what about yeah. the hair that's already there? Because they use the force to like make it fall off willingly. Oh, it's possible. I guess they could use their lightsabers to shave. It would take a lot of skill in mm-hmm. manipulating a lightsaber that much. Um, but it's possible. Cool. Uh, all right. So, what are Jason's big three? I'm sorry, we don't have a theme song for that, but. Jason's no. big three. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll we'll think of one in a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jason's big three number two is how the hell do they all fit in that one seat in the snowspeeder? Yeah, in Empire Strikes Back, I think we see like Luke is in the pilot seat and he's got is his name Dak uh, is his is the Dak. dude like behind him operating right. the tow cable. Yeah, so it looks like they can comfortably fit two people. But this one, yeah, it's four total of four people is is what they're fitting in there, right? Tala, right. Obi Wan, Leia, it's, it's and the T- pilot. Right, it's a T forty seven. The T forty seven, the back gunner position actually wasn't there. They added it later for the tow cable. It's it's a position where I guess they had some machines or something, or did it some type of you know thing back there? But I, I guess a whole they, bench they, seat. <laughs> they opened up the back where the the flaps are, you know, which kind of help it move back and forth. If you if you know the T forty seven after seeing Empire Strikes Back, but this entire component kind of flops up a little bit. There's no way they could all fit in that one little seat area. And yeah. after seeing Empire Strikes Back many many times, it is one of my favorite. Is probably is the my fa- the favorite of all my Star Wars all of the Star Wars films. It's a cool um, it's a cool design. Just seeing how. Dak was crushed and trapped uh, after that that top didn't open time and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And Luke couldn't get him out. There's there's no way three of them you know could have fit back there. It, yeah. Absolutely no way. It does seem like it'd be too cramped. It yeah I think it's like yeah because there were two speeders. Really they should have split them up into two like two and two um, on each speeder because maybe it could have been fit like an adult and a child in that seat, but two adults and a child is a little cramped but then like then they wouldn't have been able to to have one of the speeders get shot down and killed um without losing a main character so right it's a little too much suspension of disbelief and on top of that when they all got crammed in that tiny space it'll probably smell like bontha poodoo yeah you said they're they're cleaning sewage so uh that would already smell bad um you said that was jason's big that was number two what was number one or number Uh, three number one was the same as you about about how they escaped in that trench coat that awful disguise right there Uh, (laughs) what's number three then uh number three is um so what if leia never returns to alderaan Uh, okay so we have this moment this moment where where obi-wan has saved leia from a sec from a second group of captors and they're presumably on their way back to alderaan Mm -hmm. what if 
Leia doesn't ever return? What if there's a conscious choice that they have as a group to keep her in hiding now that they know that she knows would it put the Organas in trouble? Are the Organas going to flee uh, Alderaan and join the rebellion? Uh, I don't I don't think so because isn't she like officially like a senator or something in episode four? Isn't she like front facing pretending that uh, her family is still in support what's, of the Empire. What's stopping the Empire from just going in and saying that you guys are protecting rebels? At that, at this point right now, they know that Leia Organa and the Organas are helping rebels. No, they actually don't. Because didn't, everything didn't Reva is doing is under, like, this is all a secret to everybody else. This is, like, that's why it's happening at this Inquisitor base. Like... It's she's doing this against like underneath the nose of everybody else. Nobody else knows that this is Leia Organa. If she they had did, to have told, she had would have told Darth Vader that but we're capturing Leia Organa. Should we have her in captive? We're using her as bait to get Obi-Wan Kenobi. And now we're gonna now now this has changed. We're actually using both of them to exploit the entire Jedi network. Vader might know, but I don't think the whole empire. So what's stopping does. Vader from going out to Alderaan and just taking out the Organas. Uh, I guess, yeah, I guess it's a plot hole. <laughs> this is, so this is the problem I'm, I'm having is like, it makes most sense at the end of this series to have the Organas, specifically Leia, join the fight and yeah, take I, on I, the position of the rebellion. I think and that just does that doesn't happen in episode later four. On? What, because... At what point does it happen? Because in episode four, she is like still trying to pretend she's on the up and up, and it doesn't. Well, they don't. They don't buy it, but they 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 at that point are convinced that she's working for the for the rebellion. But up to that point, like she just says, she's able not, to not use that as a front. Pl- all she says is not Organa. It's a peaceful planet. You know, it's like they, they, that's all they say. They don't. No, I mean when they first capture the Tantive Four, like she's all pretending, like yeah, I'm just I was on a, a you know a diplomatic mission or whatever from right. Alderaan for the Senate or whoever. Like so, up to that point, her family is in good standing. There's no way that I don't I don't know what we're gonna see in the next two episodes, but I don't think it's there's, that. There's gonna be a moment the, where the she's Organas gonna have... are gonna leave Alderaan or that Leia's never going back there. Yeah, there's going to be a moment where she's going to have to join the fight in Rebellion. We're going to have to lead to the events of of Rogue One, the end of Rogue One. And yes, but that's like in in nine more years or whatever. Like, I don't think that's going to be the end of this series. Like, we're seeing her want to join the fight. We're seeing her like witness all of this stuff, like during during the events of her getting rescued and everything. So you think um, she's not? She's going to go back home eventually. Yes, think? I think she's at the end of this series. I absolutely think she's going to go back home. And be on Alderaan with Bale, because um, then she's like, that's still who raises her, and uh, canonically, like that's still her like adopted father, and she like learns how to be a senator from him and all of that. So I don't think they're gonna just like undo any of that. It's, it's what it's where she's at in episode four. So I don't think they're gonna completely undo that. They're they're just they're just rounding it out. They're just kind of showing like this is where she got the spark of rebellion in her, and and found out about the rebellion and where, you know, people are and who to contact so that when she is a little bit older, um, she's going to join up with them and do more stuff Mm. from 
her position of power. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see if she does, in fact, make it home. Because, I mean, it's been four episodes now and they still haven't made it back home. Yeah, but I think that's on. I think that's because that's the big ending they're leading up to. That's it's the main quest. She's the main MacGuffin. She's, you know, <laughs> she, yeah, she's the briefcase. <laughs> uh, so, Jason, if you check the chat, um, we did get a little bit of hate mail this week. Uh, so oh God, somebody no wrote way. into Robots versus Dinosaurs, and uh, I always promise we're going to read your hate mail on air. So, Jason, will you do the honors of reading this email that we got? from one of our favorite listeners. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read it through first just to make sure there's no, uh, nothing that's going to compromise my ethics or integrity there. Okay. I don't think so. I read through it a little bit. They're, they're not the kindest person, uh, in no, terms they don't, of like what they, they, you know, how they talk to us and address us, but it's yeah. not, there's nothing in it that I'm worried about in terms of content. Okay. This, this person obviously really, really loves me. They really, really have an appreciation for me on the show. Uh, yeah, they, they do. Yeah, yeah, they do. It says, "Dear droids versus crate dragons." Clever, clever. My name is Kaysen Jerubia. Uh, that's and a weird before, coincidence. And before you ask, no, I am not a clone of Jason Carubia, your co-host on Droids versus Crate Dragons. I was just anyway, going to ask. I was yeah. going to ask. Yeah. Anyway, I'm writing in to tell you, jabronis, that you don't know what you're talking about. I gave the podcast five stars, hmm. but. You still haven't answered the question on every Star Wars fan's minds. Hmm. Who would win in a fight between uh, Droikita, Droideka, Droideka, excuse me, or a Dilophosaurus? Anyway, five stars. Love the podcast. See you next time. Kaysen Jerubia. Well, thank you for the five star review, first of all. Uh, we Absolutely. Appreciate that. Thank you for the five star review. Um, Jason, what do you think about this question? Uh, a droid deca for just to remind the listeners, that's those rolling, uh, robots that have like the shield, the energy shield they put up and the like two arms that they like boo, 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 shoot lasers from. Um, and a Dilophosaurus is of course a, a dinosaur that has like a frill that pops up and it shoots poison <laughs> or acid. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very interesting question because in no world would this ever happen. And I, and I definitely appreciate <laughs> Uh, this type of hate mail inquiry. It's definitely, I don't think this is actually hate mail. I, I think this is just, just, just a uh, general question and answer. And you're uh, right. He called us jabronis, which made me feel he, like it was hate mail, but he also yeah. gave us five stars. And so. then I appreciate the, 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 the wrestling reference of jabroni. You know, this, mm-hmm. this person absolutely is a big fan of, of wrestling, um, which is great storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the droideka um, is deadly. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, in my opinion, I think a droideka would probably take down a Dilophosaurus quite easily. Uh, I'm two not sure how, two, uh, well, I'm not sure how, how acidic or poisonous their spit is. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely a threat to a person. Um, but we've seen, uh, Sith take down droidecas, uh, but droidecas take down the average soldier. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think a droideka would definitely win. Three Dilophosauruses. Three Dilophosauruses. <laughs> I don't know. Can they get through those those force uh, force fields? I think they could. I think they could spit. I think the acid would eat through it. <laughs> we don't know. We'll never know. And or they could just rush it. They could just like rush it, like run right through it because they don't block people. They just block like kinetic uh, energy or like fast moving things. Mm. Um, so you're able to walk through. The, that's what the Gungans do. They just walk through, right? Right. No, the Gungans have the shield up, 
and it's the same kind of thing, but the the droids just step through it. Um, right. So, Droidekas yeah. are are uh, for me, they can roll they can be very fast they can roll they're pretty fast but so is a dinosaur so, so is a dinosaur and dilophosaurus uh, they can definitely dr- jump so all yeah, a, a dilophosaurus yeah. needs to do is just get the high ground and yeah, they, they can might jump have behind, advantage if they get behind it is the thing if they get yeah, behind it they can like, absolutely cut, like bite through its wiring and just tear it apart yeah absolutely if three of them you know, jumped high and started spitting their 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 loogies out at it they could probably take that thing down okay but it, so any it, less than three the, the droidek is going to win yeah, I mean they have, they're like they have to be a little clever girls, you know, like like the raptors are, and maybe flank it on the sides. Yeah. Um, uh, um, but I think we're gonna we would have a moment there, like Obi Wan would, where he'd look where the Dilophosaurus would look at the Droideca and, and kind of have that hello there moment, and then the whole <laughs> entire flaps of its mouth of its uh, face would open up and it would start mm-hmm. to hiss. Um, yeah, I think that would be very uh, very apropos. I agree with your assessment. Uh, so, Kason, Kason Jerubia, thank you for writing in. Thank you for the question, and thank you for the five star review. Uh, listeners, as you know, you can you can also send us in your questions, your concerns, your hate mail, whatever, uh, to robosvdinos at gmail.com. You hate us, please, please. Um, all right, so that's all that I've got to say about this episode. I'm very excited for the next two. Uh, so thank you again for listening. Jason, do you have any final thoughts on Obi-Wan Kenobi before we wrap up? Yeah, like, like, uh, third sister Reva, um, I'm going to say I let them go. And I let it all you go. All right, we'll see you next time. This kind of little rascals moment. Rebellions are built on hope. I'm surprised uh, that they didn't catch her. They should have just waited under the bridge. Your Jedi mind tricks don't work on Tordarian. Are you just asking for hate mail right now? This- You're supposed to be my brother-in-law, Anakin. We were going to go into family business together, Anakin. I would have seen you at the reunion, Anakin. Hello, governor. This is so podcast, isn't he? Oh, hello, mate. Welcome to the Star Wars podcast with robots versus dinosaurs. Oh, it's robots versus dinosaurs, is he? Yeah, we're pissing off everyone in the UK right now with that accent. <laughs> what do you we're got at- here, Gav? Cup of tea? Oh, I got a lovely cup of tea here. Oh, I love my tea. I drink, I, I eat it with my toast and beans every morning. <laughs> bangers and mash, eh? Oh, bangers and mash are delicious. If you run out of crumpets, you've got no crumpets. <laughs> oh, uh, I got second. some. I, grab my notes. I got going, some though. blue milk with my my tea here. If there's anything the Star Wars universe has, it's a pluralism of accents. Galactic basic. Um, yeah. And uh, I want our listeners to know. I haven't decided if I'm going to keep this in the post roll or not. But uh, <laughs> just take clips of it, maybe throw it. Maybe, something. but uh, <laughs> but if so, I want our listeners in the UK to know that we were not making fun of a British accent. No, we were doing a very nuanced uh, Karelian, this like very small district accent. It's a Star Wars accent. So actually, if you didn't recognize it. You're not really a Star Wars fan. That's you're what not, I have to say. You're not a big fan. You, you should just that was an authentic Corellian accent. Just stop listening to the podcast right now. That and write in <laughs> loads and loads of hate mail, please.